morning. My name is Mark Ludwig, and I'm the elder wife to the lovely M. Kendall Ludwig. I'm sorry to disappoint, but this sermon is not going to be about the 1958 sci-fi classic or even the 1986 remake starring Jeff Goldblum. This sermon is about love, brotherhood, growth, music, and worship. Paul Hewson, Dave Evans, Adam Clayton, and Larry Mullen Jr. had just spent time in Berlin, Germany, among other places, desperately trying to find what they were looking for. In the eyes of the critics, they were trying to answer whether or not they could reclaim the title of biggest rock band in the world. In their minds, they were wrestling with the realization that this may be the end, that their journey was over. Having just completed a grueling tour across America in support of the critically loathed Rattle and Hum, though I disagree with critics, have you heard Desire? These four Irishmen could not find their voice, could not find their story. Struggles both internal to the band and internal to its members were threatening to tear them apart. But during one of many sessions at Hansa Studios, while plucking away with little hope of success, something happened. And that something gave life and purpose to them again. They had found it. And that it led to the release of their first new single, The Fly, on October 12, 1991, and the eventual release of one of my all-time favorite albums, Octong Baby, on November 18, 1991. Paul Bono Hewson once described this single as the sound of four men chopping down the Joshua tree. Sorry, Bono, but I have to disagree. Pause for a sec. For those of you who are long-time or even new fans, I highly recommend the 2011 documentary From the Sky Down by Davis Guggenheim. It chronicles this exact story, and it is excellent. When I was six years old, The Joshua Tree was released. My brother Eric played this on heavy rotation in our house. There was even a creepy poster of U2 on our shared bedroom wall. I didn't like it, especially the brooding expression of Larry following me around my room. But to my brother, putting up a poster was his expression of adoration, as many people do when they were really into a band. Something about you 2 and my brother Eric's love for them resonated with me. Sure, I had listened to lots of music in my short six years, from my dad's drumming to, Mo drumming to Motown and the Doobie Brothers on the car dashboard, to my mom playing Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone, only when dad wasn't in earshot, he couldn't stand Dylan's voice. But I had not heard music like Eric did. Something about you 2 got to a deeper musical, call it spiritual, level in Eric. And like any little brother wanted, I wanted to be like Eric in this regard. I wanted to be cool, and I wanted to know what it was about this music that mattered so much to him. So began my lifelong schooling. Most of the songs and lyrical meaning went well over my head, but the sound started to fill me with excitement, anticipation, and joy. Even now, decades later, I can still listen to that soft hum and slow build of the Edge's Memory Man at the beginning of Where the Streets Have No Name and get goosebumps. Fast forward five years later to the release of Octong, and I have a very clear memory, standing, not sitting, too excited to sit, of the world premiere of U2's new video, even better than the real thing. My brother Eric, his girlfriend Debbie, and his best friend Chris Lawless and I were standing in the living room of a little rented white house in Garrett County, and we were having our minds blown. The song, the video, everything about it sent an energy into the room. In five years' time, 
I was beginning to understand why music, specifically with you two, had this effect on Eric, and I knew I wanted more. More in the way of really hearing the music. I wanted to read the lyrics. I wanted to know the artist's meaning behind it, why they made decisions they made about certain songs, everything. It goes without saying that throughout my life, both Eric and Polly have had an incredible influence on me through their love of music. As a point of pride, we are constantly going back and forth claiming that it was me that recommended that band to you and not the other way around. So thanks, Eric and Paul, for you two, Interpol, the Arctic Monkeys, and Silver Sun Pickups. And you're welcome for the White Stripes, the Mars Volta, Modest Mouse, Beach House, and Imogen Heap. Late in high school, though, Eric bought me a CD. Normally, he would just tell me about a band or album, but it mattered so much to him that he literally bought it and handed it to me. He said, listen to this. This may be one of the best albums I have ever heard. The album was Radiohead's 1997 masterpiece, OK Computer. For those of you who are not familiar with Radiohead, let's just say that this is the point at which I began to listen to weird music. This time in my life happened to coincide with my own exploration of new bands and also when I began playing guitar. Learning and practicing an instrument helps you to really hear the music beyond just a casual listen. You start to appreciate small nuances in the music and you realize how beneficial each small riff or sound choice helps to enrich the sound. As time went on, I began to realize that I had great interest in bands or a singer or a guitarist that had a unique sound. In the same way that no one sounds like the Edge playing guitar, I tend to gravitate and listen to bands who don't sound like anyone else. One of these artists is Bjork. I love Bjork. I love her music, I love her artistic expression, and I love her eccentricity. She is completely her when she's making music, and I have boatloads of respect for that. Her music can be enchanting, somber, silly, and explosive, all on the same album. Her music excites me just as much as Radiohead's and U2's. There are so many artists and bands that have this effect on me. Who is that musician or band or singer or type of music for you? What sound moves you? Does this sound make you feel and think of more than just the music? For me, it did, and it still does. I used to sit in my apartment while painting, and I would blast this album, Homogenic, and be fully surrounded by the music. It's as if I could almost feel her creativity, and it would help me when it came to using my own. So back to you two. It was spring 2001. I was a junior at Towson University, and I had just met this scary, spice-haired redhead. A few months prior, I had a breakup that was pretty painful. All That You Can't Leave Behind had been released in October, and I was listening to it constantly. It gave me hope when I was down, and it gave me faith that things were going to get better. The day it was released, I picked it up and immediately went home and listened to it end to end, as you do with new music. I sat on my couch with that ex-girlfriend I mentioned and listened. Though, she didn't get it. She didn't get you too, and more importantly, I could tell she did not understand why I would be so into it. Guess I should have taken that as a sign to get out then. So then comes along this girl, this Christian girl, into my life. As we grew to know each other, my love of you two became apparent. She said, oh, I love mysterious ways. Octung baby love. Nice. And so I proceeded to load on the U2 and see if it would take. Well, it did. 
We were going to breakfast at the IHOP off of Lock Raven Boulevard, and the track New York was playing. We pulled into the parking lot as the song was making its crescendo. We stopped and we listened to the remainder of the track. She was bouncing her head, as was I, and she was into it. She understood it, and I liked that. I liked that she clearly grew up with music in her life. As we got to know each other better, it turned out that our own stories of music and our families was quite similar. There was the stuff that her dad and mom listened to both at home and in the car, and music that she began to appreciate on her own as she got older. I didn't know it then, but had our own musical tastes and openness to new music had not aligned, I think it would have been a deal breaker. Since music was clearly very important to me, I knew that I needed a companion that had the same connection to music. I should also mention that at this point in my life, I was formally introduced to Christianity by Kendall, her family, and many new friends we made that summer, including the Millers. Everything was new. Everything was being seen from a different perspective, even music. One of the first things that I learned from Christianity is that God loves music. I think this was also the first time I ever heard it described as a part of worship. And because of God's love for it, I feel that it was ingrained in us to be musical and to love music. Our bodies and mouths are capable of producing music, and I don't think that was accidental. I'm sure you're all familiar with the cliche of angels sitting on clouds with harps. That's strange, right? There's this assumption, even if it doesn't look anything like that, that there's going to be music and worship all of the time in heaven. Clearly, music matters to God. In Psalm 95.1, it reads, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 71.23 reads, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have redeemed. John writes in Revelation 14.3, And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. And in Psalm 40, verse 3, where you two got their inspiration for their song, 40, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Wow. So wait, you two is singing about God? You two, the same you two that I've grown up listening to, are singing about God? What? Why? Oh, they're Christians. What? They're a rock band that millions of people love and have listened to for years, and they're Christians singing about God? How did I miss that? In God's perfect timing, I think I was supposed to discover this revelation when I did. You know when you see something for the first time, when it matters to you, and then you see the same thing everywhere? Kendall's mom, Madeline, drove a Toyota Previa van when we first started dating, and I had never seen one before. Or rather, I didn't recognize it. Then, I saw them everywhere. It's kind of like that. It got me thinking, where else has you two sang about God and their faith? And I was oblivious. I turned to the liner notes in their albums, and there it was, staring me in the face. Without God in my life, I had completely missed it. I started listening to the music I had grown up with in a new way, and I followed along with the lyrics, and it was all there all the time. For those of you less familiar with U2's work, let me read a couple of lyrics to illustrate this. From Like a Song on the album War. A new heart is what I need, 
O God, make it bleed. References Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. From tomorrow on the album October and about Bono's mother's death. Who broke the window? Who broke down the door? Who tore the curtain and who was he for? Who healed the wounds? Who heals the scars? Open the door. Open the door. From Until the End of the World on the album Octong Baby. In the garden, I was playing the tart. I kissed your lips and broke your heart. You, you were acting like it was the end of the world. And one of my personal favorite verses from any of you two songs from I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For from the Joshua Tree. I believe in the kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds, and you, you loosened the chains. You carried the cross of my shame. Oh, my shame. You know I believe it. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The point is, God is all through their music. And that fact was the inspiration for this sermon. I saw a video years ago of U2's Pop Mart tour when it stopped off in Mexico City. This hugely commercial slash tongue-in-cheek commentary on society tour also happened to be my first experience seeing U2 live in concert. It was over-the-top, overblown, and almost comical in its intentional excessiveness. And in this, one of many stops along that tour, the camera swoops over the crowd, and there are literally thousands of people singing at the top of their lungs these songs about God. That is awesome. Either in a move of sheer brilliance or complete ignorance, U2 has never marketed themselves as a Christian band, never put a label on themselves. Their music has reached millions of people throughout their career, and their messages about God, Jesus, faith, redemption, hurt, love, and truth have been constant. As I mentioned earlier, I listen to a large variety of music, and I can usually find merit or something special that sticks out to me in most of it. And one of the things I try to do whenever presented with new music is to keep an open mind about it. I give it a fair shake, and either I continue listening to it or I don't. I have a confession to make, and I do not mean to offend anyone. Offend anyone. But contemporary Christian music is not for me. I have had a hard time listening to it most of it, and in some instances, questioning the authenticity of the songwriter. Hearing the music swell for an emotional response or singing lyrics I don't think I'd ever hear myself say to God just feels fake. And because of this, I find that some Sunday mornings are a struggle. The music that should be preparing my heart for the message is just distracting me. So I have found that I try to keep my ears open for worship in other places. A band that I really enjoy that I would not recommend for everyone is the band Tool. They're considered hard rock, metal, whatever. I think they're great, and to be honest, their lead singer, Maynard James Keenan, has one of the best voices in rock. Maynard, as lots of musicians do these days, has been involved in several bands. One of these bands is A Perfect Circle. On their debut album, Mare to Gnome, they wrote a song called Judith. Now, Judith also happens to be Maynard's late mother's name. He wrote this song about her and her faith. See, Judith Marie had a stroke when Maynard was very young. Because of that, she was paralyzed. 
And as he grew up, her injury and her apparent unwavering faith got him thinking. And so he wrote a song about it. Here's the first verse and chorus. You're such an inspiration for the ways that I'll never, ever choose to be. Oh, so many ways for me to show you how the Savior has abandoned you. Thank your God, your Lord, and your Christ. He did this, took all you had, and left you this way. Still you pray, you never stray, never taste of the fruit, you never thought to question why. It's not like you killed someone. It's not like you drove a hateful spear into his side. Praise the one who left you, broken down and paralyzed. He did it all for you. He did it all for you. Not exactly what you expected, was it? A few years later, Maynard's mother died. Tool's 2006 album, 10,000 Days, was dedicated to her. The title is a reference to the time period from roughly when his mother was paralyzed to the time she died. On it, though, is a two-part song, Wings for Marie, Part 1, and 10,000 Days, Wings, Part 2. It's about 18 minutes long, and it tells the story of his mother's death and her journey to heaven. Here's part of Wings. Vacant, broken, fell at the hands of those movements that I wouldn't see, because it was you who prayed for me so. What have I done to be a son to an angel? What have I done to be worthy? And later, she never told a lie, well, might have told a lie, but never lived one. Didn't have a life, didn't have a life, but surely saved one. See, I'm all right now. It's time for us to let you go. And then in 10,000 days, he writes, And this little light of mine, a gift you passed on to me, I'm going to let it shine to guidely safe you safely on your way, your way home. And later, Set as I am in my ways and my arrogance, burden of proof tossed upon the believers. You were my witness, my eyes, my evidence, Judith Marie, unconditional one. Daylight dims, leaving cold fluorescence, difficult to see you in this light. Please forgive this bold suggestion. Should you see your maker's face tonight, look him in the eye, Look him in the eye and tell him, I never lived a lie, never took a life, but surely saved one. Hallelujah, it's time for you to bring me home. I share these songs with you because they have resonated with me so much over the years as being such a testament to the power of God and how God can be in places that we may not expect him. In Maynard's case, it appears that he has gone from anger to sorrow to hope all because of his mother and her faith. No one else in his life had demonstrated God's love as she did, and his eyes were open enough to see and recognize it by the end of her life. Obviously not knowing Maynard's heart and where he is with God, his mother and her example shed that light and maybe planted a seed that will continue to grow for him. Have you found God in places you didn't expect? How did that affect you? Back to the goosebumps. If music does not do this to you, it's not that you don't get it or that you've missed out. It's just that you haven't yet found the music that will do this to you. Is it contemporary Christian music? Is it rock? Is it jazz? 
Is it an orchestra? Is it an opera? What is it? Whatever it is, I hope you never stop looking for it. And remember, even if it's not said directly or mentioned in the music, God is with you there, delighting in your appreciation for his gift. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for music and the gift that it is. We thank you for sound and the feeling of joy that it brings us. And we thank you for worship and how we have the ability to show our love and adoration for you. I ask that you would keep our hearts and minds open to those things that you are always showing us and sometimes surprising us by where we find you. Thank you for everything you bless us with every day, Lord. Amen.